0: All right, Uh, so I think we are live, ready to get started here. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler, and if you have any comments or questions as to what we're discussing today, then you can uh, use the live chat uh, on the YouTube video. We'll be happy to to interact with you in that way. Uh, You can leave any questions about our topic or anything that you'd like us to discuss, uh, either in this show or in future shows there as well. Or if you think of something after our program, you can visit our website, BibleQuest.org, and we'll be happy to discuss anything that you all would like us to discuss in our future programs after this one. Today we've got Justin Dobbs with us. How are you doing today, Justin?
1: Doing well, thank God.
0: Good good to see you. Uh, and we've also got Scott Smelser. How are you, Scott? Good, good. good to see both of you guys. Dan Bunting might be joining us later on, um, but right now it's just the three of us, so we can get started without him. Uh, we're going to be back in the Gospel of Mark today, and we're ready for Mark chapter 9 and verse 30. So about halfway through the chapter. Um, so, I don't know, do you want you guys want to read that first section and get us started in Mark?
1: Sure, I can just read. Uh, <clears throat> let me read 30 through 37. That's that fair? Mark 9 verse 30. Okay. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put them in the midst of them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me.
0: All right so uh we're getting in the last half of mark um and uh uh, we've already been in the last half of mark for a chapter or so um and we're starting to move towards uh kind of the the end uh kind of jesus is going back to jerusalem his final week which will begin in chapter 11. um so in two chapters from now um but he's uh, passing through Galilee, going through all these different places he's still teaching um, through the different regions he's going through. But he's starting to double down on one specific teaching um, that I think it was really challenging for the disciples to understand and figure out. And looking at some of the other Gospels, you see they didn't really understand a lot of the time what Jesus was saying. Um, but he's telling them uh, in verse 31 that he's going to be delivered into the hands of men and they're going to kill him. And then after three days, he's going to rise from the dead. Um, in verse 32, it says they didn't understand what it was saying and they're afraid to ask. Um, why would maybe, we'll just talk about this for a little bit. Why would maybe they not be able to understand what Jesus is talking about? Um, why would they be afraid to ask about it? What,
2: what do you guys want to talk about in that, those couple of verses about what's going on? It seems super straightforward. The son of man is going to be given up to the power of men. They will kill him three days after being killed, he will rise again. I think maybe it has to do with this is coming from Jesus and very often Jesus said things that were not straightforward. So like in that long discussion, the longest interaction we have with the apostles right at the end of his ministry, John 13, 14, 15, at the end, he finally says something and they go, oh, okay. (laughs) that one the dark thing (laughs) we got that And so often he's speaking in parables you know he's uh a sower did this the guy did that uh um you know just various things that are not direct but this really means this over here and then sometimes purposefully confusing Like, you're looking for bread, I am the bread, you have to eat my body, drink my blood. Uh, And so, with the background of all that, they don't always know how to take it. So maybe that's part of it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and this is also just, it's so, maybe it's plain enough, um, and maybe they, they understand that it's plain, which is, Uh, Maybe part of the confusion is this doesn't sound like the kind of uh, metaphorical, symbolic teaching that he will often do. This just sounds like straightforward. I'm going to die and then I'll be raised and they go, I don't I don't get the metaphor. Like, what's he getting here? Uh, And and then uh, their their conception of the Messiah was that he's this victorious king. And yet he's talking about his defeat. Uh, And what's this about? the resurrection in three days i think they understood something about the resurrection but in three days time that doesn't fit with their their model so jesus is uh kind of uh disrupting their their current view and it reminds me actually of some teaching jesus had given earlier about this this idea of patchwork you've got a, a garment with a hole in it and you want to take you know a new piece of fabric, or you want to put wine into a wineskin, Jesus' teaching uh, is, is it's whole cloth. You know, it, it's new wine, and we've got to be able to move and adjust with it. Uh, we can't take our current perceptions and then merge them with what Jesus teaches. They, they just, they, they don't get along well. We've got to just put our ideas aside and listen to what Jesus is saying in order for it to make sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this yeah i think that's a good i think it, go ahead scott yeah, you go ahead yeah, i think that's a good uh observation too. That this what jesus is saying well it seems really straightforward even something that's really straightforward and makes a lot of sense if it doesn't fit with your preconceived ideas will be hard for you to grasp because um, jesus he's pretty blunt he's like i'm going to be arrested i'm going to be killed i'm going to be raised from the dead You can understand that really easily, but that's not at all what the disciples expected to happen to Jesus. And that becomes more obvious once it actually does start happening to Jesus and they run away and and deny him like Peter does and things like that. Um, And I think that's a real lesson for us to show kind of the dangers of preconceived notions. Um, Whenever you approach the Bible, especially Bible study, but really anything, but when you approach Bible study, and you're reading the Bible, and you're reading it to try to match the Bible to what you already believe or think. You're going to come away confused. Yeah. But if you're reading, if you're reading the scriptures to learn what the scriptures say and want to know what God wants you to do, it'll be a lot easier to understand because God is very straightforward in what He wants you to know and understand and do. Just like Jesus says with the disciples here. So, so a really valuable lesson to learn there. I think Scott, you were going to say something. Uh,
2: And what you just said, both of those things are are so very true. So I was just had a study uh, an hour or two ago with a good friend. He's a Presbyterian minister, uh, but he is now seeing through Calvinism. And then today we were again going over baptism and he's seeing that and he's uh, and he's seeing that the prayer he's had people do. We've seen that's not in scripture and uh but this is this is a big deal and it's like he's he's the guy that's familiar with the text Mm -hmm. and when you go through and just look jesus said go out baptize people and then you look at in the acts that's what they're doing it's it's pretty obvious but when you approach it with a different mindset like a couple of weeks ago he said we were always taught that yeah baptism is like and especially like immersion you know it was just and if that's your mindset you don't necessarily see it um so i think that's very true and when we stop and think about their mindset uh so you two guys suppose you are studying with some young men that are going to be preaching and you've got three years, at what point in your study are you gonna go over Isaiah 53 with? Oh man.
1: I don't know, I feel
2: like this is a trick question. Like... Well, listen, if somebody's been studying with you for to, to preach and they've been studying with you for a year, have you gone over Isaiah 53 with them? Oh yeah, for sure. yeah, 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 for a month maybe. You know, it's Jesus spent three years with the apostles, and when does he? When, when does this text take place? And Jesus opened the scriptures and showed them from the scriptures that he had to suffer and die and be raised on the third day. That's Luke twenty-four after the resurrection.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So he he didn't come in. You know we start with that. This is where Jesus is going, to finish. When he started, his message was the same as John the Baptist. Repent for the...
1: Kingdom of heaven
2: is at hand. Kingdom of yeah. heaven that. Yeah, so Justin, you're teaching that and Jonathan's one of the Jewish disciples. I'm a Jewish disciple and you say those words, repent for the...
1: Kingdom of heaven is at hand.
2: Kingdom of heaven. <laughs> what are we hearing, Jonathan?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And, and, and and then after and, and toward the end of three years, what are Jonathan and I arguing about? You know, we want to get to sit yeah. on the right and the left yeah. side of you when when you come in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And what are the first yeah. down? What are they arguing about? Yeah, yeah who's going to be greatest? This? Yeah. So their mindset, is hearing. I'm going to be killed. <laughs> and yeah. that doesn't mm-hmm.
1: expectations,
2: what you said, Justin. Well,
1: and I think that fits with what Jonathan was asking too about verse 32. They were afraid to ask him. Uh, I got to be careful about assuming I know their motives, but the next couple of verses get into this kind of rivalry that was true when I was, and it was true then. And, unfortunately it's probably true now amongst disciples as we 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 look around horizontally and forget vertically where we are in the kingdom and we start to think well maybe maybe i'm better than him not there yet i feel kind of intimidated by him he probably did something bad and we start you know measuring up uh, and, and jesus jesus counters that pretty quickly but we have this this idea of a hierarchy in the kingdom and it's a it's an upside down kind of kingdom the the disciples didn't get that so maybe they're afraid to ask because who wants to be first to look stupid who wants to be first to admit i have no idea what you're saying jesus could you teach me interestingly uh in jesus's teaching uh when we start looking at the parables uh jesus says to you it has been given i think that the you to you has been given would be the the people who are humble enough to come back and ask jesus what did you mean by that Uh, and the disciples maybe at this point have forgotten some of that uh, that we come to jesus and we're not the experts and i don't think we ever get to be the experts Uh, so when we're prideful and we're looking around seeing where we can line up in the kingdom then we're not we're not able to ask the simple questions that give us truth scott
2: that's an interesting thought, and it reminds me of a guy who wasn't like that, the eunuch. Yeah. But to No, I don't know. Can you, I need somebody to help me. That, right. that shows a humility, and it shows that you're more interested in learning than looking like you already know. And based on what we're about to see, that could be coming into that. And this next section I like, because it's such an awkward turtle situation here. Um, that's the awkward turtle sign, it's upside down. So you stuck. the you know, they come in, and Jesus asks,
1: Were you <laughs> what were we talking about on the way, guys? <laughs> and that's really yeah, it's, it's sort of uh, I'm, I have in my Bible a note, you know, parenting tip here. Um, you know. Sometimes I hear from the other room what's going on with the kids, and I think I know what's going on. Uh, but it's better just like walk in, like, hey, what are you guys talking about here? And then watch everybody grow silent because they're embarrassed about what they were getting at and their attitudes and the motivations. And that's exactly what happens with the disciples here is they just they get quiet and they know that Jesus knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. what they're afraid to answer. And so Jesus takes this moment to, to explain, like, you are you're looking at this kingdom all wrong here in mark 9 uh, verse 35 like he he takes um this child in verse 36 puts him in the midst of them uh and it it's you must receive different um different gospel writers go at this a little bit differently but here jesus says you must receive one such little child um you got to be willing to think that the little the inconvenient the the lowest in the social ladder are actually important like you become the servant to the lowest. And if you don't do that, then then you can't enter into my kingdom. But if you receive them, you receive me, you receive him who sent me. So it's, it's the servants who are yes. great.
2: Yes. By the way, welcome Dan. Dan just got in. And a little bit of me, actually a lot of me will be happy if we have a scene like the clip you guys have probably seen. So Dan's... um at home today with some of the little ones there, and he's the the adult there today. And I want to know if you guys have ever seen the video. I think maybe it's from BBC during COVID, where they're interviewing some expert. Mm-hmm. But home, and you notice the door there behind Dan. The door opens. In comes a little toddler. Then in comes the infant. Then in comes the wife ducking down. Trying, I, yeah, I imagine you guys have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So, if that door opens and mary comes in i'm going to be happy.
3: Right. yeah that'll be a
1: good day that'll be a good day the question is are you going to receive one such child you know sure <laughs> anyway. Right. yeah uh, so so jesus is talking about the greatest in the kingdom here the greatest by the least um that's going to continue down to the next sections we could probably read uh verse 38 through the end of the chapter uh, unless you guys have any other thoughts through verse 37. All right. Uh, Dan, are, are you in a spot you want to read Mark 9, 38 through this next section? Sure. No problem.
3: John said to him, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another.
1: The connection between some of these statements is a little puzzling at first, um, but it's the occasion where Jesus takes the child uh, in verse 37, receive this child. And I think in verse 38 and 42, we see kind of that child figure again, at least in verse 38, we saw someone. And then verse 42, uh, whoever causes one of these little ones, Jesus is concerned about, uh, again, the, the little ones in the kingdom. And John's got this concern about someone casting out demons who who's not following us. You guys have any explanation for where this guy comes from?
2: Well, he's heard something about Jesus. So he's maybe been there and heard some of the lessons or something. He's not in the group right now. But there's a lot of people, like even the thief on the cross, he he's got some knowledge because he goes, "This man has done nothing amiss." Jesus, when you come in your kingdom, remember me. But he's not. The, you, you, so you have this sectarian view here of of the apostles. And by the way, there's a flip side to this too. In this section, he says whoever is not against me is what?
1: It's for me. Mm-hmm.
2: There's another time when he said, whoever is not for me is...
1: Against me. Yeah.
2: And so, but if you put those two things together and it kind of fits that there's a right hand and a left hand on the day of judgment.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: On one side is the not with me, against me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: On the other side is, not against me with me but jesus's definition of with me isn't my definition of with me so somebody doesn't need scott to have eternal life somebody doesn't need to hear it from scott to have eternal life but they need jesus and there's a I really like the verse. And is it 2 Timothy two twenty-two? The Lord knows those that are his. Mm-hmm. He knows who's with him. He knows who's against him. Mm-hmm.
1: So it could be that you know earlier we see Jesus sending out the twelve in mm-hmm. chapter six, uh, and he gives them authority to cast out demons. Luke tells us about him sending out the seventy-two. Um is that maybe who one of these, who this guy is, is he's one of the 72 or he's just someone who'd been listening to Jesus's teaching and said, I'm going to go and do it.
2: Or he could have heard from, you know, the 12 or the 70 or something. And he's, he's heard something because otherwise he wouldn't be doing it in Jesus's name. And he's wanting to do what he can.
1: And, And to your point, there are kind of, there are two camps. Uh, it sounds like John was wanting to sort of dial that down a little bit and say, "Well, there's there's us, and we're we're the the right ones." And Jesus says it's broader than that. There's there are two camps, not like the inner circle and then all these other hierarchies. Again, he's thinking hierarchical kingdom. Uh, and Jesus says, "Look, there's just, there's me and there's everybody else. So if you're with me and you're you're doing my work, then then you're with me. And if you're not with me, you're against me." So these these two two ways of looking at this
3: yeah and i think what one of the key parts of the story is that um, it doesn't have any information about the other person um, the other person is just the the uh, the MacGuffin to get the story and the plot moving forward the whole point there is uh the reaction that john um, has towards somebody else and i think that that's really um important and you can write fan fiction about this other guy um, but the reality is john's reaction is incorrect Um, i don't think john's alone Uh, rarely are the apostles alone in their opinions on these things and so jesus is jumping in and saying uh he he's he's curbing their judgment of others um in particular the the our side and their side kind of thinking i think and so what really strikes me is the the importance of learning um the message of uh, controlling our judgment, controlling our condemnation, um, uh, just the absolute importance of of continuing to operate in
1: grace. This guy kind of reminds me of Apollos in the Book of Acts. Like you said, we could, we don't know anything about this guy, um, but what what I find really significant is in the Book of Acts when uh apollo shows up and aquila and priscilla are listening to him teach they're they're kind of in john's position right where they're hearing this guy and he's he's proclaiming jesus he's teaching accurately the things concerning jesus and you don't see them get all up in arms about it they find something that needs to change about his teaching um but they don't get defensive of their position like who is he to be teaching these things um, they encourage him the church encourages him they send him out to go do some more teaching uh kind of different than john's uh, response here where he's very defensive of the position and Aquila and priscilla instead help correct apollos but then encourage him on his way and i think i've met people like this I mean, no one who's casting out demons uh, but I've, I've met people who's like oh well you you follow Jesus too. You you read the Bible. Tell me more about what you believe. And you know, I don't I don't know them. I don't know anybody who knows them. I don't know anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody who knows them. Like there's no connection to be made. But they've just been reading the same book I've been reading, yeah. and they're following, me. and they're teaching accurately the gospel. And it's exciting to see that. And so you just you encourage each other, and that that's a blessing,
2: Scott. Let me share a quick story from Prague back after the Berlin Wall uh came down um moved over there plan to work there in prague and there's this one lady i met uh and in czechoslovakia there were more people that believed in space aliens than in god but the people did believe in god historically it was a catholic country and then there were also known number of uh jehovah's witness pentecostals various things so this lady, I'm studying with her, and uh, we, we study salvation. We went over the problem. Uh, why we need to be saved, the problem is sin. We went over the solution. The solution is Jesus Christ. And then we looked at who he saves and and how we respond. And I went over that, and I had a chart that I used. I had picked drawings on it, too, because it was... Some language difficulties there. And of course, a lot of people there had been christened as an infant and that type of thing. And I'm showing who is the subject, what baptism is, sprinkling immersion, and the purpose of it. And we'd gone over that before. And on another week, we're going over it again. And she says, Why do we keep going over this? I said, Well, because there's a lot of churches that don't teach what the Bible says on this. And then she pointed at it. And there was a baby, and you know, somebody old enough to believe. And she pointed to the older person, and she pointed to the immersion, and she pointed to her mission. Since she said, I did this, 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 she said, I knew my church didn't teach that. So I had my friend, you know, baptize me for further mission for sins in my back. I just shook her hand <laughs> and
1: <Yeah. laughs>
2: good. Now, unfortunately. uh, About three years later, I moved back to Czechoslovakia, and then we had to judge her because she had gotten in adultery and was refusing to obey Christ, and we had to take a stand against that because now there was something that was actually wrong and in defiance of Christ. But uh, we, we don't need to... We need to work and do good, but we don't need to view ourselves as... Uh, what, what did uh, Esther's uncle say to her? It's like, you're in a position to do this, but if you don't, what does he say?
1: Salvation will rise from somewhere else.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we need to be working, but never assuming that we are the the soul key that somebody needs.
1: I, I think when we put the emphasis on, on people rather than on Christ, yes. then we can, verse 42, uh, cause little ones to stumble. You know, we, we make it more about us yep. uh, than about Jesus. Yep. And you know, who do you know? Where'd you get your training? Uh, you know, you got to be somebody, and it just puts emphasis on our achievements, and that that causes pride and arrogance and competition and, and ambition, yep. uh, and that's that's the opposite of the attitude that Jesus is promoting here. So we end up making others. Um, either tempted toward arrogance or tempted toward defeat, feeling like they could never accomplish that. And that may be part of what Jesus is getting at here in 42 to the end is we're causing little ones to stumble. Uh, and and it, my understanding uh, in 43 uh, through 47, uh, Jesus earlier, uh, especially in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, talks about you know, if, if your hand causes you to sin, like with, with sexual morality, Uh, then you should cut it off, pluck out your eye if it causes you to sin. It may be here he's saying if your hand causes you to sin, meaning if your hand causes you to sin against your brother and cause them to stumble. Not only should we do everything we can to keep ourselves from sin, but we should also do everything we can to keep others from sinning. I I should pluck out my eye if it causes my brother to stumble. And so Jesus is saying you you need to be, instead of trying to one-up the other, you should be trying to protect the other and and help them to go to heaven. Mm-hmm.
3: There's a lot of statements in in this chapter, um, going back to the argument about who is the greatest, into we're definitely greater than those people out there, and then finally into Jesus seemingly answering a statement that they haven't said about, um, well, you know, we're just going to stomp on anybody in our path. There's a lot in these discussions that mimics. Uh, Jesus's uh, complaints and uh, uh, problems that he dealt with with the Pharisees particularly in Matthew chapter 23 about how they were uh, closing the gates of the kingdom they're making it too hard for people to enter into the kingdom they themselves weren't even operating according to the the own rules that they had set up for the kingdom and in this chapter he is trying to I think make sure that his own disciples don't begin going down similar paths to the extent of if you start saying and doing the things that are going to cause little ones to stubble cut your eyes your hands cut your tongue out so that you never say something like that again uh, the ex the, to make oneself crippled in that culture meant that you also couldn't go into the temple anymore that you were really cutting yourself off from a lot of uh, really important things, not not just uh, the, the physical uh, loss, but there's, the, you know, this cultural uh, and near spiritual connections to that, and so Jesus was saying a really drastic thing to point out uh, how ugly
1: this seemingly normal behavior was. I think seeing that, I hadn't thought of that, the being cut off from the spiritual exercises. But um, verse 42 is another opportunity to kind of look a little deeper here. Uh, there's just the surface level of it'd be really difficult to swim <laughs> with a millstone hung around my neck. Uh, and they make little millstones, right? But Harry he says a great millstone, uh, and it's impossible. But to go a little um, further with that illustration, uh, when we treat ourselves as great, and treat others as low uh, we're up top and there on the bottom jesus says the punishment is going to be the reversal of that he's going to make he's going to send us into the depths of the sea low uh, and and in their their way of thinking like that is, you can't get lower than the the depths of the waters like that so when when we exalt ourselves god hates that kind of pride and he's going to punish there's so many passages in the old testament and in the new testament they talk about how God lifts up the lowling. Uh, he exalts the humble, and he humbles those who exalt themselves. He, he knows how to take those who make themselves great and raise them down. Scott?
2: This is such an important passage. Um, yeah, you'd hate to lose a hand. You'd hate to lose uh, a leg. You'd hate to lose an eye. But so, so, so worth it, Jesus is pointing out. But too many times, there's things less important that we or others might say, oh, I don't want to lose it. So let's think about some things that sometimes people need to be willing to give up. Sometimes somebody needs to give up a job.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: it's either dishonest, illegal, immoral, but it pays well. It has good benefits. It doesn't matter. You need, you need to cut it out and give it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's associations or friendships or maybe friendships with somebody you were in love with, you know, years ago when you were single or um, that you've gotten your heart entangled with. I've known of guys that had to quit their job because they foolishly got wrapped up emotionally in a girl at that job and they need to lose that job. And then there's there's a lot of people who need to give up their phone or their internet connection. Like, oh, But I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. And if it's going to cause you to stumble, and, and also on the not cause these little ones to stumble, parents so foolishly put too much electronic uh, internet, social media connection into young children's hands without thinking about the amount of predators and danger and filth and corruption on there. And it's like one one 13 year old told me one time, he said, I wish, he said, my dad gave me this phone for my birthday. I wish he had never given it to me. Um, We just need to think about these. Yeah, and this is this is
0: something that Jesus does a lot. Um, and here he's talking, it looks like he's talking specifically to his disciples, although we can obviously apply it in a much broader context. But I was talking to somebody actually this morning about Jesus' approach to people whenever they want to come and be with him. Um, it's, I don't know, it's different than what you would maybe expect sometimes. So like crowds would flock to Jesus and Jesus would say, uh, paraphrasing, not really paraphrasing but just uh, he'd basically say are you sure you really want to be here um like he wouldn't say oh great you're here he would say are you sure you really want to do you know what it really means now he would go on to say like what his point is here in this paragraph it's worth it to be here uh it's absolutely worth it to come and follow jesus but it costs you things to follow jesus Um, and the things that it costs you are good for you, um, to, to let go of, um, because of what you get for Jesus. Um, and, and I don't know, like the, the imagery is just really, really powerful that he uses like what Scott was just saying in Mark nine. Um, I, I especially like, um, verse, verse 47, um, how he kind of summarizes it all, um, at the end of verse forty seven he says, "It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. Um, as, it's almost a little bit funny because I, I don't think that Jesus is not being literal um that you'll you know show up in in heaven with one eye if you have to rip your eye out or some kind of thing. We'll get these new bodies, uh, these spiritual bodies. they're gonna be new and 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 perfect, and that sort of thing. Um, but the the picture is really, really valuable, um just just to think about. Would you rather give up heaven and spend an eternity in hell for your cell phone? Um, Because, like, if you think about it right now, it's like, oh, that's really difficult. I don't want to give up my cell phone. I need my cell phone. I need my internet connection. Would you rather spend forever in torment and keep your phone for, you know, however long your life is? Um, It really puts into perspective those those types of of questions and should make those kinds of decisions easier to make um, for us.
3: I i don't think that i have the the authority to grant someone their phone for all of eternity in torment but let's say that i did would it make torment that much better if you actually could keep your phone there too i
1: think the reception down there is pretty bad You a really expensive phone but no bars yeah i think uh verse 49 gets at what we're talking about too uh, everyone will be salted with fire um, it, I think they're going to be, maybe because of our pasts uh, or sinful decisions we've made already when we come to Christ, it may mean more of a uh, a painful process as we come to Christ. But there's no painless process in coming to Christ. There, there's no one who comes to follow Jesus and says, oh, well, I didn't have to change a thing. Right. No, you're, you're going to go through the fire and there's going to be some stuff that's going to be burned out of you. As you learn to to put up, um, to, to give up your your rights and your privileges and your pride and your relationships and whatever it may be, every sacrifice is going to be salted with fire. Is the idea?
2: Yeah, Paul Earnhardt used to point out from the phrase, you know, almost or at a more convenient time, uh, I'll call you. Uh, he, he said, you know, self denial. If you come to me, you have to deny self. He said, self denial is ne- there's never a convenient time for it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're the rich young ruler doing a lot of things right just one thing wrong it's still not convenient there's got to be mm-hmm. denial and i want to tie that ties to what jonathan mentioned too about when jesus in luke 14 he, he kind of paraphrases saying are you sure because you 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 can't do this halfway you know you If you love this or that, or your own life more than me, you just can't be my disciple. Don't start if you're not gonna finish. I wanna speak to that for just a couple minutes here, for a minute. There's an attitude that often gets expressed, that if you mean it one way, and it's understood one way, it could be an effective message. it, it, but I think it often is meant and gets taken another way. And it's it's this, you know, just like come as you are and just, you know, we're all a bunch of messed up, broken people. We're a mess too. Come on, just bring your mess. And if what you mean by that is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, uh, Titus, remember that we too were once living in those ways. And we still need God's grace. We shouldn't say, oh, I have no sin. Um, and you know, helping the dimly burning wick not be quenched. If if that's all you mean, those are good points and biblical points. But I think you gotta how you say it, because often that message is you don't really have to repent. Bring it we're unrepentant, you're unrepentant, we're got all sorts of things that are not right in our lives and it's okay. We're all it's, it's God's hospital, not his museum. Yeah. But hospitals are places to get more healthy act, not just to keep running your fever. That's not what a hospital's for. So of course we want visitors to come in anytime and we want to help the weak to get better, but it's about repenting and Getting better, Jesus isn't saying to all those crowds in the rich young ruler, Oh, yeah, you got some covetous, believe me, we're all covetous. Come on in.
1: No, it's except your opinion, Justin. Yeah, and I was talking with someone just recently about this. It phrases like God gives grace or uh God forgives all sins. Like those are absolutely true statements. And uh, we need to be unashamed when we say things like that. But he gives grace for what? Uh, he doesn't give grace so that I can continue to sin. He, he gives, yeah, Romans 6, he gives grace, and that changes who I am. Uh, and so it looks like here, Jesus is saying in, in Mark 9, 49, 50, is one of the things that unites us and helps us to have peace with other people is, is to be humble and realize we're all coming in at the servant level, yeah, and we continue to need Jesus uh, that unites us, but what can't unite us is this lackadaisical attitude toward God's grace makes us urgent Toward the need to be cleansed of sin Dan.
3: Well, that, that's really one of the big points. I think he's doing with this chapter is that he's not being very open and merciful and gracious to his apostles who are walking around full of themselves and acting like knuckleheads He is saying you need to be more gracious and merciful with those who are uh, who are outside of you personally. You need to humble yourself. So that's that's kind of the irony there. I'm giving you the grace to stop being full of yourself so that you will be gracious to others. And he's going to continue talking through this. And then he speaks very clearly in forty eight. Sorry, forty nine and fifty about the salting and the fire and the, the, the expectations or the, the judgment that comes upon us. And then he moves into, in the next chapter, which we don't really have time to look at, but he get he, he's given a question about marriage and divorce. Uh, he gives very specific statements and law, uh, Jesus does. Uh, he doesn't speak in such a way that provides lots of wiggle room and lots of open-endedness. It's some of the commands that people hate the most from Jesus, actually. And so in this section where um, I I speak a lot about the grace that I need to offer to other people and the, the mercy and the openness that we need to take on ourselves as we interact with other people, and we see that in Christ, the continuing discussion is right into a very serious and strict interpretation of law where we still need to act graciously and welcoming and 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 work with people, but that doesn't mean that we forget law itself. And so putting this whole section, if you take the chapter divide out, you can see that Jesus um he he doesn't speak about um one thing or the other. He speaks about both together. Um,
0: um, yeah and another thing to to notice and one thing that it goes into chapter 10, which we don't have time to talk about. We'll we'll do that next time. Um, This, this whole thing um, dealing with the disciples and, and trying to get them to um, be salted and changed and, and affected by God's grace and Jesus teaching. I mean, their big problem in in this section is, is they're, they're thinking about themselves. Um, They want to be great. Um, They're, trying to call down fire on other people and and that sort of thing. And Jesus is trying to tell them at the end of the chapter, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Um, Really simple kind of command, that like get along with each other. No fighting among yourselves, be changed by God's grace. But then in chapter 10, they they go right back to it. Um, In verse 35 of chapter 10, James and John are doing the same thing, basically, that they were doing in chapter nine. Um, they're asking can we be the greatest can we sit right next to you um you know that sort of thing um and that just leads to another observation and back to one of the first things that we that we made um you can hear jesus is teaching good sound teaching and ignore it and it does you no good
2: yeah
0: um and and that's the disciples for the first like for all of jesus's ministry it seems like they finally come around they finally get it after jesus's resurrection um it, it, although they do still trip up here and there peter um you know make some mistakes afterwards and things but it's like you can hear the greatest teacher to ever walk the earth and if you ignore what he says it doesn't help you at all um and um uh, that's just such something that all of us need to think about um y- you can know the scripture really really well and i've i've talked with people that know the scriptures really really well but they don't listen to it,
2: mm-hmm. and if yeah. we
0: ever become, if we ever become that, um, we're in maybe one of the most dangerous situations that you could ever find yourself in. Um, James, being callous
2: to the good teaching, James describes it as deceiving yourselves and looking in the mirror and walking away, completely forgetting. Yeah. Really good discussion. Um, we're out of time. Uh, on a lighter note, I'm going to ask a trivia question as we close. Um so looking at verse 43 through 47 what occupation is most inclined to take each of these very very literally a pirate
0: that's right <laughs> yes. yeah I excellent it's better to be a pirate <laughs> than to be. to be cast in that.
1: <laughs> wait a minute
2: great Almost they're got what like, Jesus was saying there. You're missing a foot.
1: Yeah. Your cartoon Uh, uh He has L3. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So with that, we will uh, start closing up our program today. Thank you you guys for your discussion. Um, Through that, thank you to our audience for tuning in with us. If you have any questions about what we discussed today at the end of Mark 9, uh, you can submit those to us at biblequest.org. We'd be happy to continue the discussion with you or anything else you'd like us to address on our program. You can leave your comments and your questions on our website there as well. That's all that we have for this week. And so we will plan on seeing everyone next week, Lord willing.